better together. And thank you, by the way, guys, for the feedback we've had on our uh, Ripple Effect uh, series. Um, you know, it, it seems to have really touched and blessed many of you. And you know, each one of those practices we spoke about, getting into the Word and praying and being, being faithful and, and loving, allowing the love of God to flow in us and, and through us, you know, it really seems to have helped. And, it, and those things, they produce a ripple effect in us and also through us. Not only does it transform our lives, but then through us, lives around us can be touched and transformed as well. And then, of course, the message you heard last week by our, our brother Jamie, Pastor Jamie, um, obedience to the heavenly call. Now, that obedience, did you get that? That obedience is a product of the ripple effect which the Word of God has in our lives. Amen? Brother Jamie and Leah, if they had not been in the Word, talking to God, allowing the love of God to flow through them and being faithful to God, they would not have been obedient to the voice of God. Amen? And you see, all of us have a calling. Because it's in the Word. <laughs> All right, we, we, we don't all need to fall off our horses like Paul to get a calling. Huh? He fell off the horse. And guess what? The call that went out to his life comes to us too. Because the call came from Jesus when he said, What? Go, preach. And to make disciples doesn't mean you've got to be pastors and evangelists and missionaries. You can be a pastor, an evangelist, and a missionary as a professional in your workplace. There are men and women today involved in high places or in low places, doing all sorts of jobs. And while they're fixing a car, plumbing, being in the boardroom, or whatever, they are spreading the light of the gospel to people who would never, out of their own, come to a church. And so, guys, let's allow the ripple effect of the Word of God to, to continue in our lives, helping us to obey that heavenly calling. And, and so today we started this three-part series titled, Better Together. And, and so, understand this. If, if one person can be touched by the power of God as, as His Word, as a ripple effect in that person's life, and that one person can, can touch maybe two or three other people because of the ripple effect of the Word of God in their lives. Imagine what would happen if a group of people together would allow the ripple effect of the Word of God to take root in their lives and then through them touch all the people around them. What would it do to you, to us, to the world around us? What if that group of people was you and me? Awaken Life Church. Those of you who gather here, those of you who regularly gather with us online, and we keep on talking about this and connecting with each other, and, and you listen to this message and, and you put it into practice, what would happen if all of us together would engage and embrace, not as individuals, not, you know, me and, in my little corner and you and yours, but together? encouraging one another, connecting with one another, amen, and doing stuff together. What would happen? What could happen? And so, in this series, we're going to explore the fact that we are called to do just that. Better together, 
It's not just a, a nice idea for a sermon series. No. Better together is what the Bible invites us to do and to be. It's not my idea. It's not our idea. Not this church's idea. It's God's idea. What you're doing here now is you're going to gather around the word of God and study what the Bible says about being better together. And so today, in part one, we'll delve into the theme, not good alone. Not good alone. <laughs> okay? That is what we're going to be talking about today. And discover why relationships are essential, drawing inspiration where from? The word of God. Now, some of these things may be familiar to you, but also some of you may be saying, eh, relationships are hard. I love coming to church. I love sitting on my chair, my favorite chair. And I always get upset when I get to church late and somebody says, sitting on my chair because that's my chair. But I love coming to church and sitting on my chair and singing the songs and then uh, saying hello to people quickly and going home and, and praying and reading my Bible and, and asking God to save people all over the world and bless them. But relationships are hard. And I don't know if I'm going to start building friendships and relationships with people because it's complicated. And you're right, it is complicated. I understand that sometimes it is those closest to you who will end up hurting you the most. But one cannot live in isolation. You cannot live in isolation. Just to, to, to safeguard yourself, uh, protect yourself from being hurt. And so you isolate. We cannot do that, people. Yes, it is a risk. And as you shall see today, we are not created for isolation. And it is a risk to build relationships, to make new friends, to start sharing your life with us. It is a risk. Together with people, be they, they family, be they friends, be they colleagues at work, friends in school, be they fellow church members, it is a risk. But listen, the joys and the happy memories that can result from taking that risk are priceless. You say, Pastor, do you know what you're talking about? Of course I know what I'm talking about. In my couple of decades in ministry, I've, I've made friends, I've lost friends, I've had great friends, I've been disappointed by friends. But you know what? When I look back at all the wonderful times we had, all the memories, all the wonderful experiences, you know what? It was worth it. And by God's grace, you know, things happen and you try to mend, you try to restore friendships. And yes, relationships are hard. And people disappoint you sometimes. Why? Because they are so imperfect, right? Because they are No, because we are all imperfect. None of us. Are perfect. And I'm sure I've, I've hurt some people and I've disappointed some people. Maybe some of you, you haven't told me yet, but you may be disappointed or hurt because sometimes things happen. One does things without realizing. And so we need to understand this. None of us are perfect. It's easy for us to blame the other. But have you ever stopped to wonder what people think of you? How people feel about you? About the actual influence you have on some people? Some love you. Some can't stand you. Why? Because you live in this crazy mixed up world. A broken world with broken people. And the quicker we realize that, understand that, and learn to laugh a little bit at ourselves, and learn to be merciful and give grace to those around us, the better our relationships are going to go. We need to stop giving the devil a foothold in our lives and giving him an excuse to torment us. In this area of relationships. Amen. 
Well, don't you think that God, <laughs> you know, you say, yeah, I don't want, to, I don't want to have too many friends. I don't want to be disappointed. Don't you think that God is disappointed sometimes? Yeah? Because he created humankind. He, he created them with love and in love. And he created them to, to love them and to be loved by them. What do you think God feels when some wonderful creations of his, wonderful children of his, they turn their backs on God? They pretend it doesn't exist. They live as if God doesn't exist. How do you think God feels? It saddens his heart. But listen, don't you think as well that those people who respond to his love and, and follow him and believe in him, don't you think those people bring joy to his heart? You see, it was that is what motivated Jesus to face the cross. The Bible says that for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. Jesus knew, man, this is going to be so. This is going to be painful, man. I've got to take on me the sins of all these crazy people. But then he, he looked behind and says, you know what? Some of them are just going to spit on my face and they're going to reject my sacrifice for them. But some of them are going to listen to me. Some of them are going to respond. Some of them are going to love me. Oh, man, it's going to be so worth it. Here we go. And he endured the cross to open the way for us sinners separated from God to have a relationship with God the Father, to be called God's children. And so God took a risk in creating mankind and giving them a free will. But the risk, in spite of the pain that he has in people rejecting him, the risk is worth it because of the joy he receives out of those, those of us that follow him, that love him, and that worship him. Amen? And so I know that as I preach this sermon, some of you will be a little bit incautious and, uh, I don't know, Pastor, if this is what I want. I also know that for some of you, <laughs> you're going to love what I'm going to say because you're more outgoing. You love to be surrounded by people. You've got lots of friends. The more, the merrier. And you're going to say, yay, this is what I need in my life. <laughs> so let's just focus on what the Word of God says. Amen. Some of you will be glad. Some of you will be a bit cautious because of your personality and so on. But uh, remember that what we have learned in the previous series, we need to let the word of God speak to us. No matter who you are, no matter your background, no matter your position in life, the word of God is above it all. Amen. And as we submit to the word of God, the power of God kicks in and enables us to do the word of God. That's the beautiful thing about the word of God and what God does for us. Sometimes he'll ask you to do what seems impossible. But the minute you take that step of obedience, the Holy Spirit is there. And then the miracles start to happen. And God does great things. Amen? Okay, so let's dive in. Today the message is not alone. And so let us take a quick look at what the word of God has to say about that. Not good alone. Here we go. Number one, the God of the Bible is not alone. <laughs> Did you know that? In Genesis 1.26, God says, God says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our life. Did you see what's written over there? God didn't wake up one morning and say, 
I think I am going to make mankind according to my image. When it says there, let us make man in our image. What is it doing? It is indicating the divine community. The Godhead does not exist on its own. It is comprised of three personalities. Three individuals who are so close, so connected, so united, that when you look at the one, you see the others. You, it's hard to separate them. Okay? We're talking about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As the Bible progresses, we, it, it, God, God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And some people hate that because it says, no, God is one. It's only one God. Yeah. But in the Hebrew, that word for God is in the plural. <laughs> okay? And so God is Father, Son. God has never been alone. Divinity has always existed in community. And I want you to, to grab that word, community, because that is what this series is all about. Better Together is talking about us living in community with one another. It's what people want, but it's what people mess up the most. Is community. And so God, God himself is not alone. And when he created mankind, he wanted to share and expand that joy that he has in, in living in community with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That joy of being united, of being one. Of never having a reason to argue. Imagine that. And God wants that relationship with humankind. He wants us to be one with him. That's what Jesus revealed to us. Amen. So, the God of the Bible is not alone. Number two, God saw that Adam alone was not good. Genesis 2, 18. God acknowledges. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Okay, that's actually where our city's name came from. Not good alone. <laughs> okay. Now, when, when, when God saw that, yeah, of course, then we know the story. He made Eve and, and he brought them together. And, but as we shall see later, that wasn't the end of the story. Because, you see, when God said it's not good for Adam to be alone, what are you saying? It's not good for mankind, any man, any woman to be alone. And it's not implying there that every man and every woman must get married. No. What he's saying is that every human being needs to live in community with other human beings. Okay? Not everybody wants to get married. Not everybody is able to get married for whatever reason. Not everybody is married. <laughs> okay? But everybody needs somebody. We all need community. And even if you are married, that's not your exclusive relationship. It's just you and your iPhone, you and your husband, isolating yourselves from the world and living all over. No, no, no. Even as couples, we need a community with others. And that's what God is, in, is saying over here. It's not good that man should be alone. Man, woman, individuals, you should not be alone. It's just not good. And so God saw that that was not good. And so point number three, God made a companion for Adam. And told them to multiply. So, you know, we read in Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. You see, the divine design for companionship 
expands as God instructs Adam and Eve to multiply, emphasizing the importance of relationships. And so, through families, the number of humans multiply. But as it multiplies, it also multiplies relationships and creates community. Because, of course, as the world multiplies, you know, we get more friends, more opportunities to meet people. And so through that union between Adam and Eve, God started the process to fill the earth with people, okay? And uh, again, it doesn't mean that everybody needs to get married and produce children, but it does mean that we are called, God wants this community to grow and to carry on, and he wants us to live in community with others. That's a divine design, amen, to expand on God's instruction. It's they emphasizing the importance of relationships. Point number four, Ecclesiastes says that two are better than one. Chapter four, verses nine to 12 of Ecclesiastes illustrates, illustrates the strength of unity. Check this out. Two are better than one. You see, it's not good to be alone, not good alone. <laughs> two are better than one in everything, isn't it? Whether it's in business or work or home or family, two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. You've heard the stories of, you know, people that go into nature on their own. Maybe mountain climbing or hiking. And then something happens. They slip off a cliff and they break a leg and they're in the middle of nowhere. They pull out the cell phone and there's no reception. You've heard the stories. And some of them are able to survive. Some of them don't. You know? But when there's two or more, the chances of survival become much higher. Because one falls, if the other one cannot help him immediately, can go and look for help. And life, guys, we need this kind of thing in life, in every area of life. We need to be able to have people around us that we can call upon. Verse 11, again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? You're going to say, easy, pastor, I've got an electric blanket. <laughs> but you also have load shading. <laughs> All right. So, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So, you see, here is talking about community. Yeah, you can apply some of these things to marriage as well, because that's definitely true of marriage. But it's true of partnerships. It's true of doing anything in life. It's better to be together with others to help us. If we fail, if we fall, somebody can help us. We can keep each other warm. We can keep each other encouraged. We can keep each other motivated. It is good to be alone, to, to be with others, not to be alone. Amen? And then he says there in the end, that's kind of a bit confusing because he's talking about two, 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 two. And then it comes, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And I love to apply this to marriage, but it goes again to any relationship. Because marriage is not a human construct. That's where many people go wrong. 
They think, oh, marriage is a social thing. I've got to get married because people are putting pressure on me to get married. And society puts pressure on single people to get married. But the day you announce you're going to get married, they go, oh, shame on you, poor you. There goes your freedom. Ah, another good man falls like they told me. And, and society must make up their minds. Because they push it to a thing and then they laugh at you. And <sighs> Marriage is God's idea. And he never meant for a man and a woman to do life on their own. He always wanted to be part. Marriage is not a duet. It's a trio. It's one man, one woman, and God. You need that little love triangle. Often when I prepare people for marriage, I say, if you have a great marriage, you need a love triangle in your life. Not the Hollywood kind. Dad's going to get into deep, deep trouble. I'm talking about the biblical kind. God, man, woman. Because the closer a man wants to get to God, and the closer a woman wants to get to God, the closer they're going to get to each other as well. And that is going to keep them together. Because, you see, that's what he's talking about there. You see, a, a threefold cord. You know that if you take a rope... A rope has its cords. One cord you can rip apart. But you put three of them together, man, you can't break that thing apart. And when you have a threefold in a relationship where there is two people and God, it is very difficult. It is not quickly broken. If it's a business relationship, if it is two believers and they invite Jesus into that, that thing is not easily broken. If you're doing ministry, two or more people, Jesus is there, it's not easily broken. In marriage, husband, wife, Jesus is there, not easily broken. Friendship, you, your friend, Jesus is there, not easily broken. But we need to submit to the biblical principle. We need to get in the word of God, know the word of God, amen? Number five, the apostle Paul always had companions. The great apostle Paul that planted so many churches and did so much for the Lord. What a great man. He was never alone. He always had guys around him. In his letter, Letters. Paul often mentions his companions, Silas, Timothy, Barnabas, and others. Acts 18.5 notes the following. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews. He, he waits until his companions get there, and then he gets going. He doesn't just blast off on his own. And if you read the book of Acts, you find wherever Paul went, he had companions. He didn't go off on his own to change the world. Huh? And so... That is very important. No, but, but, okay, that's Paul. Okay, he's, he's, he's a man, all right, so he needs help. What about Jesus? He's God. He needs nobody. <laughs> you know, he's the son of God. He can just walk into any place. He can multiply food, walk on water, do miracles, raise the dead. He doesn't need people in his life, does he? Well, let's look at the life of Jesus. How did he do life when he walked on this earth as a man? Number six, <laughs> Jesus did not minister alone he always had companions. Oh, I see. That's where Paul learned it from. Paul learned from Jesus not to do ministry alone. Eh? Throughout Jesus' ministry on earth, he surrounded himself with companions, the disciples. In Mark 3, 14, we read, Then he, Jesus, appointed 12. There's 12 guys. He named them apostles afterwards. That they might be with him. Huh? Jesus modeled the importance of sharing life and mission 
with others. Number seven, even in his most vulnerable moments, Jesus had companions. In the Garden of Gethsemane, facing the impending crucifixion, the most difficult time in his life. Huh? Jesus invited his disciples to watch and pray with him. Matthew 26, 38. Then he said to them, my soul is ex exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And how many times we go through stuff in our life, difficult moments, painful moments, and we are either too proud or too embarrassed to call a friend or two and say, hey, but, hey, my sister, hey, I'm in trouble, man. Please pray with me. Please pray for me. I need some help here. I cannot be alone right now. Huh? We only get to hear it afterwards. Something terrible happened. <gasps> Nobody, I didn't know about it. Of course, I didn't know about it because the person never opened up to community. Now, I know some of us have that tendency. I'm one of them. You know, if I'm going through stuff, just lost my eight. I want to do this on my own. All right. And, and many of us have that tendency. You don't want to bother anybody with your problems, you know. Don't want to, nah, yeah. But there comes moments in your life. I don't care who you are. And what personality type you've got. You've got to pick up that phone. You've got to pick up that WhatsApp, whatever. You've got to get in your car and go somewhere. And go to somebody that is close to you. And say, hey, watch and pray with me like Jesus did. I need some help. Your friends might not be able to have an answer for you. They might not be able to not know what to do with you. But just having somebody to talk to, to vent, to share is a great help. To know that you are not alone. Somebody is walking with you. He knows about you. is following you through this moment, through this crisis in your life. Come on, people. That's what community is about. Not good alone. We need community. And if Jesus, come on, the Son of God, uh, I mean... He, he, on occasions, Jesus has, has, has had angels ministering to him. Who needs a bunch of tired disciples who instead of praying with you, fall asleep on you? But the importance of having some of your friends, they can be sleeping, but they're right there. <laughs> they're not far from you. And hopefully, when our friends or your friends ask you to help them, you're not just going to fall asleep on their couch. You're hopefully going to be alert and, and pray with him at least and give a word of encouragement as the Lord leads you. Is this making sense, guys? Hey, come on. So even in his most vulnerable moments, Jesus had companions. Number eight, Jesus sent the disciples two by two, not alone, because it's not good to be alone. Matthew 6, 7 tells us, and he, Jesus, called the 12 to himself and began to send them out one by one, because then you can do more work. You can reach more places, right? No. He sent them out two by two. All right? He, he could cover less ground, because now two guys are going to go and do the same work. What a redundancy. But Jesus knew the importance of community, that it's not good to be alone. And so he sent them out two by two. Amen? So Jesus intentionally sent his disciples in pairs, recognizing the strength found in shared experiences and mutual support. And I have heard and I know 
of stories where, where, where men are sent out on their own. And sometimes it works. A lot of times it doesn't. Not everybody is disciplined enough to, to do focus on the mission, work and do it. Sometimes these guys, they go out there and then they lose the vision. They start wasting time and wasting money. And, and next thing, the whole mission collapses because they are alone in a strange place. No companionship, no support, no encouragement. The only encouragement is miles away, sometimes in another country, through long phone calls, whatever it is. And so Jesus says, no, 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 you guys go two by two. You help one another because if one falls, you can pick up, okay? If it's too cold, you can hug, hug together and you stay warm. And, 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 Ecclesiastes stuff. Jesus knew about Ecclesiastes. I mean, he inspired the book. Okay? And, and, and so he sent them two by two. Because it's not good to be alone. Oh, and listen to this one. Number nine. <laughs> Still talking about Jesus. It's not over yet. Jesus wants company throughout eternity you would think after living on this planet and putting up with all the human nonsense he would say oh, my mission is finished i'm going to heaven enough is enough goodbye guys <laughs> no he goes to heaven and now you know what he wants he wants you and me with all our baggage to be with him in his heaven so that he can show us his kingdom and brag about what he's got up there. Uh, come on, let me show you. This, this is my, this, this is what I've got you. This, this is my kingdom. <laughs> he wants us with him for eternity, not for an hour or two visitation. He doesn't want us to visit him. He wants us to be with him. Huh? In his John 17 prayer, Jesus says the following, John 17, 24. Father, I desire. He's, it's not a good thought. He hasn't been told to do this. He desires, Father, I desire that they, who's they? Say with me, they is me. I know it's a wonderful English grammar, I know that. but Say it again, they is me. Who does Jesus want with him? Me. He wants you. He wants you. Amen. <laughs> I decide that they, also you gave me, may be with me where I am. Where is Jesus? Whatever he is, he wants you to be there with him. And whatever he is, is a good place. Whether it's in heaven, when he comes down on earth, earth is going to be a good place. New heaven and earth, good place. Eternity, Jesus is there, good place. He wants us to be there with him. He wants company in eternity. Point number 10. Better together with Jesus. Listen, before we can be better together with others, you need to understand this. Before I can be better together with you and you can be better together with me, we need to realize that each one of us as individuals, we are better with Jesus. We are better with Jesus. Me on my own, eh. At least with Jesus, I'm going to, from eh to eh. <laughs> because Jesus makes a difference in my life. I'm not perfect. Just ask my wife. She's right there. Okay? I'm not, but imagine, honey, if, if I didn't have Jesus in my life. Huh? Wow. 
should I have even more white tears than what she has now? I'd be impossible to live with. So Jesus somehow makes me a better person. Not only does he give me access to heaven and, and, and gets, gets to make me a child of God, okay, uh, with eternity guaranteed in his presence, but he makes me a better person right here. A, a better husband, a better father, a better individual, a better friend, a better pastor. You guys wouldn't like me to be a pastor if I hadn't the work of Jesus in my life, believe me. But you, you, you have given your life to Jesus. You know God is working in you. I know you're not perfect, but come on. I'm sure you can testify of stuff that was in your life, and God is working on you and, and taking stuff out and putting stuff into your life and making you a better person. Amen? Thank you for the three of you who agreed with me. We know that. I know me. I know the Valdir that could be without Jesus. I know the Valdir that is with Jesus. I know the Valdir that can get even better if he gets a bit more obedient to Jesus than he is. Huh? Hello? Being quite frank with you guys. And so we are better with Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. Jesus said the following. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Listen, there's not a single human being on this planet that is not desiring some rest. Right now, people are tired, right? And they want rest. And so what do we do? Party! Retreat! Holiday! And we do all sorts of stuff. After the party, after the retreat, after the holiday, how do you feel? I'm still tired. I think another, another okay? It, it is our life due to, due to stuff that happens in our lives, due to, you know. And Jesus says, hey, come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find the rest. Ah, you will find the rest for your souls. You see, that's where the problem lies. The problem is not our body being tired or our mind. Our souls, deep inside, the core of who you are. You need something that can work on the inside and treat that so that the outside can kind of come around and be able to face life and its challenges. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we, we, our first tendency is do all sorts of stuff. Go yeah, go there, take this, take that. How many of us think, I am tired, I believe I'm going to spend some time with Jesus now. Hmm? And yet, that is what every human being needs, more than anything else. We spoke about that last year, we did a whole series on this matter. I like the, the message translation. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. <laughs> I'll show you how to take a real rest. Work with me. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Listen to this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus ministered for only about three, three and a half years. But it was intense. 
He had to deal with rejection, persecution. He didn't have, you know, air-conditioned cars to move around. He had to walk around on hot days and, you know. But he had a rhythm. You don't hear about, and Jesus was stressed. Uh, Where's that verse in the Bible? Because he had a rhythm. And he says, hey, come, come walk with me. Let me teach you my, my rhythm. And Jesus did some amazing, I, I told you guys about, about it the other day. One of the things that Jesus did is, he knew when it was time to take a rest. When he invites us to take a rest, it's because he would often take a rest. He knew, he knew, he knew the meaning of the word no. We are very scared of using, it's a simple word, but we are very scared of using that word because we think if we say no, we're going to offend people and people are going to think bad about us. But Jesus had no problem in now and then saying no. Yes, a revival meeting, people are getting healed in the evening, you know. Next morning, the disciples come, Jesus, come. The multitude is back there really for another, another, another revival meeting. Come on, Jesus. Just says, um, guys, Let's go somewhere else. Let's go for a walk. But Jesus, no, we're not going there. We're going to relax a bit. We're going to up the mountain, spend some time in nature. Come come on, let's go, guys. What? Jesus? But he's, you see, you would have gone right back and had another meeting, another meeting, another meeting until you drop off dead, exhausted, and burned out. (laughs) Come on, come with me. Let's learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So, guys, I hope it is clear from the Word of God, as we've seen so far, that you can see that we were designed for relationships, that we were designed to function better together. Amen? It's a biblical teaching, and Jesus modeled it for us to have people around us, to have a community around us that you can do life with. Now, it's also true, of course, that that sin has spoiled that plan. We were created for that. That was the intention. But sin has spoiled that uh, plan. But, however, Jesus came to restore the plan, to help us to connect back with God again and to bring the plan back online. Now, of course, the world finds ways of separating us. Now, everybody wants relationship, everybody wants community, but the world is full of mechanism to separate people. The world uses politics, separates us politically, separates us racially, separates us economically, you know, the haves and the don't-haves, they cannot mix, and, and so on. There's a thousand ways in which the world wants to separate us. What does God want out of us as believers? To look at the world in the face and go, na, 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 na. No matter who we are, no matter our race, our tribe, our political beliefs, our economic standing, we're going to stand together. Because we are better together. You can come from a different country. You can speak a different language. You can have a different color skin. We are still human beings. We are still sinners who need Jesus. And once we come to Jesus, we become part of his church. We become part of the kingdom of God. And that's the priority in our lives. 
my nation, my whatever comes way down there. First of all, it's the kingdom of God. And that unites us. And the world goes, what? Are you guys crazy? I mean, look, look, look around here, guys. You know, the cameras can't see that. But look around here. I wonder how many, how many tribes do we have represented here? Ethnically and, and, and so forth. Beliefs, languages around here. <laughs> That's why eventually we kind of stuck to English because it's one common language, but there's a whole bunch of languages over here. And if everybody started right now praying in your own language, it would sound like the day of Pentecost. All sorts of languages <laughs> being spoken in this hall. That's God's plan, to bring us together. He doesn't want all the blues in that side and all the reds in that side and all the greens on the side. He wants multicolor. Okay, he wants a mix. Amen? That's what God wants. But now, what is interesting <laughs> is, is, is this. An interesting fact is that scientific studies these days, or last few years, are indicating, get this guys, scientific studies are indicating that we are better together. Did you know that? Let me, very quickly, a couple of studies. Loneliness and health. Numerous studies, including those by Julianne Holt Lindstedt, have linked loneliness to adverse health effects. On one of the notable studies published in the American Psychologist in 2017, analyzed data from multiple studies involving millions of participants. This meta-analysis found that greater social connection, listen to this, that greater social connection, that having more, being more connected, having more community, greater social um, connection is associated with a 50% reduced risk of early death. You don't want to die young? Have friends. Living community. That's not all. Check this out. Check this out. Her study suggests that the lack of social connections should be recognized as a risk factor for premature mortality comparable to smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. Huh? If not having friends, not having community, it's like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And if you're a smoker already, add 15 on top of that. You're going to die, man. Very young. Hello? These are facts, scientific facts. What about impact on mental health? A landmark study published by the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology highlights the detrimental impact of loneliness on mental health. The research found that individuals who reported higher levels of loneliness also exhibited signs of depression, anxiety, and lower self-esteem. You isolate yourself, no community, no friends, depression, anxiety, and lower self-esteem. The, the role of companionship on healing. Studies such as those conducted by the American Psychological Association emphasize the role of companionship in the healing process. One such study observed patients undergoing surgery and found that those with strong social support, the connected people with, you know, community, they experienced quicker recovery times and fewer complications post-surgery. So if you're going to have surgery, before surgery, make lots of friends. Get a community around you, man. Make sure you've got people to talk to, to visit you, to, to keep you. It makes a difference. It works in your whole first makeup, body, soul, spirit. 
Now, these studies collectively reinforce the notion that human beings thrive on connection. The detrimental effects of loneliness and social isolation on both our physical and mental health are significant, affirming the biblical and theological understanding that we are indeed better together. This comes from scientific studies, okay? And it doesn't matter if you're extrovert or introvert. Both groups are examined and both groups do better. The difference, of course, the extrovert is going to have a, a, a wider, you know, circle of, of friends and so forth. Introverts prefer fewer people and more deep connections, but they still need and they benefit from those connections. So it's not limited only to the, you know, everybody needs community. Now check this out. I'm going to show you a comparison of research findings and biblical teachings. Some of the teachings you've already told you already. But listen to this. I'm going to say the, the, the research find. The research found the following. Social connections improve mental and physical health. That's what science says. Bible says, two are better than one. <laughs> if either of them falls, one can help the other up. Huh? Science says the following. Loneliness can lead to increased health risks. The Bible says, it's not, go not good for man to be alone. Huh? Science says, serving and helping others can improve one's well-being. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. You follow the Bible, what's going to happen? You're going to improve your well-being. The science says, deep, meaningful conversations are more satisfying than small talk. The Bible says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. I cannot encourage you with small talk. We have to have some meaningful conversations. Science says, people need a sense of belonging and community. The Bible says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members of one another. Can you see what's happening here? Everything that science is discovering about man's need for connection, for community, the Bible has already spoken. These comparison, uh, comparisons underscore how much of contemporary research on relationships and well-being echoes what the Bible has taught for millennia. Thousands of years, it's there in the Bible. And those who bother to read it and apply it get those benefits. There are people that don't go through all the stuff that we are talking about. Why? Because they apply the word of God. So can you see why the devil is trying to get people out of churches and out of fellowship and, and, and discredit from one another? Because it's one of killing people. Get you disconnected. Don't have deep connections. Go on your, on your, on your, on your phone, have, have thousands of friends, but you've got no meaningful connections. And that's another conversation we might have in one of, one of these days in the series. But listen, we are better together. And if you understand these principles and apply them correctly, the, the church, that means you and I, Awaken Life Church, and all the Christian churches everywhere because this is a universal principle. If we understand this and apply this, it can play a pivotal role in addressing the modern epidemic of loneliness by fostering genuine life-giving connections within their communities. This, us, coming together, doing life together, having lunch together, men meeting around the fire together, and whatever other gatherings we're going to plan throughout the year, be it small groups or be it, you know, fun activities, be it picnics, whatever it is that we might propose together. There's a purpose, people. 
Being a member of a local church, there's a good, healthy, scientific reason for that. Isolating yourself, never having close friends, is going to shorten your life. It's going to make it difficult for you to be healthy. I don't say that. Science is telling me that. And confirming what the Bible has been saying for the last couple of thousand years. Thousands of years. We are better together. We are better together. So folks, as we close now, as we reflect on the divine model of community and the biblical emphasis on on togetherness, it becomes evident that God created us for relationships. (laughs) You don't have to like me. And I don't have to like you. But I'm stuck with you. And you are stuck with me. And listen, and if we love Jesus, it means one day we're all going to land up in the same place together anyway. <laughs> You're going to be stuck with this face for eternity. Hopefully, in heaven, it will be a bit like, you know, makeover. I'll look more like what I looked, you know, a couple of years ago. But if you're going to be stuck with each other for eternity, why not start practicing for it now? And and learning how to love one another, how to relate, how to be friends, how to accept, how to help, how to hold one another accountable in a loving, gracious way, how to support one another, how to become vulnerable with one another, how to ask for help when you need help, how to share when we need to share. How to love each other as family members. I know sometimes that's such a challenge. How to love each other as family members, as friends, as church members, as colleagues. Oh, man. The importance of companionship is not only deeply rooted in biblical principles, but it's also supported by scientific evidence. Isn't that nice? People often mock them of the Bible. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what? (laughs) Right now, in the 21st century, the Bible is showing itself true to current studies, scientific studies. The Bible never goes out of fashion, never. (laughs) So in our pursuit of being better together, let's embrace the truth that we are not alone, for God designed us to share life's journey with others. May our understanding of the significance of relationships transform the way we approach community, the way we approach one another, the way, the way we see church, the way we see friendships, the way we see relationships, both within our church family and, and beyond, in our families and workplaces and schools and everything else. Amen. This is an introduction. We shall continue next Sunday. So join us next Sunday for part two of Better Together. Amen. In the meantime, take this week to ponder about this. Become aware of your surroundings. As you go back to work tomorrow, school, whatever you're going to be doing this week, become aware of people around you. How are you dealing with strangers and with friends? How do you feel about people? How do you think people feel about you? Are you going to go on your feelings or are you going to allow the Holy Spirit now to remind you of what the Bible says and start risking it? And doing some things sometimes not comfortable for you, but because you're obedient to the word of God. Hey, men, we'll get around the fire next Friday. Oh, but I'm not comfortable. I, don't, I know it's not comfortable sometimes. It's easier to stay at home, you know, eating chips and watching TV. Come over here. Do something risky. Get together with other men, you know. 
come and get a hug from another man without any funny intentions, just loving of Jesus. Come, uh, listen, this is precious. Listen, this, this is worth any money you're going to waste in petrol. Come here, men. Come here and watch my big boot brewer over there, Rian, cry. Ah, ha, 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 until Friday. Okay. Yeah. If you're lucky, you may even see your pastor cry. So just, just, just come, okay? You never know what's going to happen. Eh? Come and share a meal on the third. Come on. Instead of supporting your McDonald's there and, and for 100 bucks eating a little, little hamburger, for 100 bucks, you're going to get a full meal over here. Plus quality fellowship. Huh? So as soon as I say amen, go and sign up. Amen? And let's fill the house. Let's have some noise here as we munch together. Amen? If Jesus was here, you would have signed up already because Jesus nev- never missed a good lunch. Read your Bible. <laughs> Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Oh, my God. (laughs) As fun as it is, Lord God, to talk about being better together and about community and and relationships, uh, I know, Lord God, that for some of us it's a challenge. I know it's not always easy. But, Lord, I pray, Father, for my brothers and my sisters here, those those watching online, those listening to this recording, I pray, Lord God, won't you bind us together, Lord? Uh, won't you help us to, to know ourselves better and know others better and not take ourselves too seriously, not take one another too seriously, but allow the Spirit of God to move in and, and help us to be friends. In spite of our many differences in, in backgrounds and in languages and ideas and everything else, won't you help us, Lord God, through the common factor of loving Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, help us to come together, Lord. Help us to make commitments. Help us to to bind and bond together, Lord, because two are better than one. But it's not good to be alone. Help us to understand this, Lord, and to start embracing maybe a, a higher level of relationships, of community going forward this year, my God. Taking some risks. Help us to be gracious with one another, forgiving with one another, Lord. Merciful towards one another. And Lord, forgiving and merciful towards ourselves, Lord God. I pray against every lie of Satan that is tormenting people, telling them they are not good enough. Nobody loves them. Nobody likes them. They'll never offend. I bind that in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that first of all, we will see ourselves in relationship with you, Lord God. (laughs) Because we are better with Jesus, first of all. And then out of that relationship, let there be a flow, Lord God, that we can be better with one another. Amen. So now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us as we embrace this concept that we are better together For God's glory, amen and amen. God bless you. See you next week. Amen.